guys. Welcome back to the What I Love About Men podcast. I'm your host, Steph, and today I have a really, really special guest with me on the show. After hitting rock bottom, being morbidly obese with food, tobacco, and alcohol addictions, this man made a decision to change, losing over 130 pounds and conquering all of his addictions. He now focuses his efforts on helping others all over the world with their own massive body and mind transformations. Jeremy Reed. Jeremy, thanks for being on the show. Oh, Stephanie, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So the, the listeners know I met Jeremy recently at a live event held by Amanda Bucci, who's awesome female entrepreneur. Jeremy, you were the, one of those people who stood out to me just because of your story. Your story was fucking incredible. And even when we met up last week um, to talk more on your story, I have never been so emotionally impacted by someone's personal story and just drawn in. So I would love for you if you can share with the guys kind of just, you know, bullet points of your background story of how you got into gaining all that weight and what was going on in your life during it and how you did something about it and took action. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I feel, I feel kind of like I've lived like already six or seven lives, you know, I'm, I'm in my mid thirties and I feel like, I already, <laughs> like you know, I've already lived <laughs> multiple lives. And, yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, I mean, just the high bullet points. I, I was raised in the Midwest. Um, and, uh, and ha I mean, I had a, I had an okay childhood. I mean, there were, you know, there's ups and downs just like any other childhood. Um, there certainly were some traumatic times in my childhood. Um, but you know, it wasn't like, uh, you hear a lot worse stories than mine. That's for sure. And <clears throat> I got married super young at, at just barely 19. And I found my behaviors, my coping mechanisms for just my own insecurities and the, the emotions that I didn't want to deal with led to uh, massive binge eating, um, alcoholism. I was smoking two packs a day and I just continued to go, you know, year after year after year to where at 23, 24 years old, I found myself at well over 300 pounds, drinking every single night, smoking two packs a day, like I said. And it just, it was, I, I hit rock bottom. I was out of control. And um, my eating was so How bad. How old were you when you hit rock bottom? 24. I was 24 and, and my eating was so bad that I even knew I was ashamed of it. Um, I was massively overeating in front of people even, but then I was closet eating as well. I was, I was having to go and hide to eat more, um, which was just, I mean, absolutely shameful at the time, which, you know, kind of made the whole cycle of addiction even worse because now I'm, <laughs> I'm coping with the fact that I'm coping, you know, and um, yeah. at 24 years old, I, you know, I, I can't say, there was some singular instance, like I wasn't like I've been bullied many times for being heavy. I was bullied as a kid for being heavy, um, being the chunky kid. But, you know, I can't say that it was like a near death experience or or a bad doctor's visit. But I, I definitely did have a day where I woke up. I looked at myself in the mirror and and I I knew I deserved better than the way that I was living. Like I truly as a man, as a human, deserved better than how I was living. And I knew I, I must change. And at that instance, I raised my standards on, on just who I wanted to be as a man, how I wanted to represent myself as a husband, as a father at that point, um, and is just me, Jeremy Reed. And so, um, I immediately took steps at that point. And, and, you know, I didn't know anything about health and fitness at that point. I just knew that I couldn't continue down the road that I was going on. So, um, I joined a gym. I started getting a little bit more active. Like again, I didn't, I didn't, had, I knew nothing. So on day one, I, I, I walked in, I saw this woman on the elliptical and I thought, Oh, I could do that. You know, like that seems like a, seems like a doable movement. So I got an elliptical. I think I did like seven minutes my first day. And cause I was huffing and puffing from having smokers lungs for many years. Um, 
you know, and I just, I, I started cutting out the things in my diet that I knew were really bad for me. I was drinking over a 12 pack of Mountain Dew. Obviously the alcohol oh stopped and this stuff wasn't easy. It was, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't easy for me. But again, when you, when you raise your standards on living, we won't live beneath our standards for very long. And so when I decided the kind of man that I wanted to be, it just lent itself to me changing my behavior. And again, difficult, incredibly difficult. Um, but I knew it must happen. And so I just pressed through over and over and over until finally, you know, I found myself a year later, two years later, three years later, I had lost well over a hundred pounds. I'd quit smoking. Um, I reduced my drinking down to, you know, like special occasions and, uh, and really had control over myself and my life. And that came with a lot of other personal development as well. You know, mental strength, um, working on my marriage, working on communication, um, working on the way that I handled my personal emotions like anger and, and loneliness and frustration. And it just, it, it, it led me to the man that I am today. Wow. That's incredible. And it sounds like, have you ever read Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins? No, no. Big fan of David Goggins though, but I have not read his book. I'm reading it now. And he has this method of like looking as a man, like look at yourself in the mirror and use it as the, call it the accountability mirror and just be real with who the fuck you are. And if you're not where you want to be, that's when you, you know, the mirror never lies. So however yeah. you're feeling when you look in that mirror, it's not lying to you. So, and I think that what you just said reminded me of that, that, you know, one day you just looked at yourself and you, you knew it was time to change. Oh, a hundred percent. And I, you know, now full time, I coach uh, people with their own weight loss and life transformations. And I will frequently tell people to get up first thing in the morning, go to the mirror, go to the bathroom, look at yourself in the eyes and set your day, set the tone of your day with intention for what you're going to do. And so you know, it, it's obviously going to yeah. differ per client, but I'll tell them, go to the mirror, look at yourself in the eyes, have a conversation with yourself and, and set mm -hmm. the intention for your day. What are you going to accomplish? What, who, what kind of person do you want to be today? You know, what are you going to do? What are you not going to do today? And speak that truth yeah. to yourself in the mirror. There's power. There's power in looking at yourself in the eyes, you know? Yeah, there totally is. And I think there's a lot of men, especially uncomfortable with this, or they find it weird and even when I tell my clients to do things like this, they kind of laugh, laugh it off a little bit. And they're like, all right, like, I'll try it. But we have to realize that self-talk and the power of looking at ourselves and how we speak to ourselves and communicate with ourselves, have a relationship with ourselves is the best. I mean, it's the most important relationship. Oh, 100%. And, and I think this boils down to a larger issue with men, especially. And, and you know, I, I know this is a, a men's focused podcast, but I think that's great because as men, for many, many years, generations, we were, we were taught to suck it up. Don't feel, don't feel emotions. Don't cry, yeah. you know, be a man. And, and so it, it's drilled into our brain that we, we can't do this stuff, right? We can't have the feely, you know, like the feely, touchy feely yeah. feelings and emotions. And that's for girls, you know, that's for wimps, that's for pussies. And as men, we just got to suck it up. Well, the, the downfall of this is that we do experience emotions as humans, all humans do. And as men, yeah. we push it down for so long and then it has to come out. And since we can't cry and we can't, we can't be vulnerable, then we ha it's going to come out in different ways in our life. Yeah. It has to come out somehow. What is your definition of be a man? What does that mean mm. to you? Like to be like, be a man. What does that mean? Well, if you had asked me at, at 22, 21, 23, it would have been, it would have been exactly what I just explained to you. Don't cry. Don't show emotions, tough it up. You know, um, I've always been into hunting and fishing and, and getting dirty and, 
motorsports and you know and so it was like it was more of like arr, arr, you know barfing and 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 farting and and like being a man but um but as i've now gone through my own transformation and and really got in tune with not only human psychology both for males and females but just in touch with my own emotions i've understood that to be a man it does involve all those things it it means being a great leader it means in many cases um, even though we feel fear, being fearless in our actions, it means, uh, you know, supporting and protecting. Uh, but it also means being okay, being scared, being okay, showing our emotions from time to time. It means being okay, letting out our emotions in a productive, healthy manner so that we can man up and be the man that we need to be as a leader of our whatever it may be in, in your case. In my case, it's being the best husband I can be being the best provider, I can, mm-hmm. it means making decisions that before I would have been scared shitless to make. But now, even though there might be fear involved, I can confidently, as a man, make decisions and be a leader for my family. Yeah, I love that. So it's more like feel the fear, but do it anyway. Well, that and and having an outlet for you to say, damn, that was scary. <laughs> you know, like, because yeah. that's, that's where the problem yeah. lies is that you know, we were told to just shove everything down, tough it up, man, you know, we can't, we can't express that stuff. And so what, what, what we were taught is to not have any sort of outlet for that whatsoever. Well, men feel fear just like women do. Men feel pain just like women do, you know, shit hurts our feelings just like it does the females. And so, but without, without an outlet to be able to express that or any way to handle those emotions, then we just end up with massive addictions and abuse problems. And, and we end up just you know, bringing along another generation of humans that, uh, or men or boys that are afraid to show that stuff. Wow. Even when you just said that, when you said things hurt our feelings as men, I hate to say that, like, I never acknowledged this, like specifically yeah. that I never thought like what hurts his feelings. Right. And, and, and that's because uh, again, society, and I, and I know there's tons of societal, things that women have on them too, right? Beauty standards and sexual yeah. standards, all this. I understand that women have their own, their own bag of shit to deal with as well, but so does men. Yeah. And, you know, and, and our feelings get hurt just, just the same. We are human. So we all feel similar emotions. It's just, you know, one gender was given the, the card to be able to handle or deal with them and it's okay to cry and they cry often and they, you know, and then another gender was yeah. told, nope, you can't do that, you know, and, and it just, I, and that's what I think leads to so many addictions that we see in men, especially it, it was for yeah. me. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a shining example of how addictions can overrun your life. If you are not in tune with your feelings, with your emotions and, and, a, and have an outlet to express them. I mean, I, I, I've lived it. So do you think that's why like most men fall into addictive behavioral patterns because of that, that need to like open up and they just feel like they can't. I think it's a large contributor. Yes. And, you know, in my experience, I mean, I've been working one-on-one with people all over the world for years now. It, I do see the similarities of my own story in, in other people's story, especially men, the, the Mm -hmm. inability to express anything that they're feeling. And if they do, then they're a pussy or they're a, you know, uh, I, I don't want to use it. I don't, I don't want to hurt anybody, anybody else, but there's derogatory terms that, 
you know, yeah. have been called Save me before, everyone. right? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's like, I like, I can, I can remember um, there are times in life where anytime I showed some of emotions, I was called a fag or I was called a, you know, like I was called a pussy or, and it's just, it's ridiculous. And and when you're a kid and the vast majority, or even a young adult, the vast majority of that is that putting that negativity on you, it only reinforces what you were taught by your parents or your, you know, society to shove it down deeper. Ooh, you know, when I show emotion, people don't like that. And our, our greatest human need is love and acceptance. So of course, if we are, you know, negatively reinforced and I show emotion, we're only going to shove it down even deeper. And, and I do think that leads to a lot of men having drinking problems, having pornography problems, having abuse problems. You know, I, I think especially too, if, if you were raised in a household where your father beat you and that was, you know, abused you and, and taught you, this is how you be a man, unless you do your work, unless you do the work that I went through and that men really truly need to need to go through, you're going to repeat that behavior. And that's, I mean, statistics show that too, right? A large majority of, you know, yeah. kids who are raised in an abusive household end up abusing themselves. Kids who are raised in an alcoholic household become alcoholics themselves. You know, it, you see it in, in every scenario and, mm -hmm. and it certainly holds true to uh, men and uh, addictive behavior. There's a, there's a lot of talk lately around, or just from my Instagram, men asking me the question of, you know, can you talk more about porn and like addictive behaviors around porn and why men go to porn and how we can avoid it? Um, do you have anything to say around that? Because I think that's an interesting topic. I never, I never really speak about and we're talking about addictions. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it just to kind of set the record state, it's not, I am not a like addiction specialist. So, you know, I've, I've studied addiction. Mm -hmm. I work with a lot of addictions. I have experience in my own addictions and helping other people with theirs. But I, I certainly would not call myself like a clinical psychologist specializing in addiction by any means. So everything you're going to hear is just my experience and things I've studied in that. But, you know, pornography, like any other um, stimulating coping mechanism, so alcohol, drugs, food, these things are all giving us that in intense dopamine hit. They are giving us pleasure. Obviously, pornography, if you mix it with masturbation, is giving us another form of pleasure in our body. And so these pleasure spikes in our system are just like you're, you're running from any other thing in your life. It is a escape. It's a distraction method from, from whatever's going on in your life. And it, it can ultimately be very, very addictive. And so I think you tie that with now a industry, the porn industry being so, what's the word I'm looking for? So glamorized. And so like it's, it's mm -hmm. making this act of sex to be whatever you want it to be. <laughs> you know, there's enough out there yeah. now with the internet that it's like, whatever you could possibly think of, you can find somebody videotaped it. And it's, it, it opens up this world of, it's like a false world. It's a fake world. Most of us, most of us in life may have mm -hmm. an incredibly healthy sex life with our significant other, but it doesn't look mm -hmm. like what we're seeing on that camera. Because yeah. it's fake. And then you doubt your sex life. <laughs> right. And then, yeah, exactly. And, and so, what what are you then drawn to? You you now start to have a negative um, a negative attitude towards your own sex life, feeling like it's lacking. When in reality, you have a fantastic sex life. You just don't have mm. you know the great camera angles and the special lighting, and you know like you don't have makeup people <laughs> and every makeup fetish your... under the sun. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. And so so I think it it skews our image of our own sexuality. And it, it kind of 
um, artificially and in an unhealthy way raises the bar on our own expectations of sexuality in our relationships. And I think this is why you see, I mean, divorce rates so high, you see infidelity rates so high, you see addiction rates so high, pornography addiction rates are higher than they've ever been, partly due to, in my opinion, accessibility. I mean, you can, (laughs) you know, everyone has a smartphone now, you can lock yourself in a bathroom stall and get porn in about three seconds. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's everywhere now. And it, it lends itself to this escape for men and for women. And, and it's just, it's, it's addictive. Yeah. And like you said, they're coming out with so many different types of pornography that that again raises the dopamine, right? Because it's new. There's always something new or different. So yep. you keep going back to whatever is new and get that pleasure. It's crazy. And I've seen, I've seen, um, you know, comedians like Ali Wong uh, will make jokes about it, but it is a, a real truth that pornography is kind of this um, stepping stone too, where when you first started, the first time you started seeing pornography, just simply a naked person or two people naked fornicating was really exciting for you. Like it, it was like, I can remember mm-hmm. my first time it was, I was like, Oh my God, the naked chick, you know, like I can remember seeing a playboy magazine that yeah. I, I got from the top shelf at a, in a airport and, and it was incredibly exciting. <laughs> and then you, you look at like, it's like now all of a sudden that has lost its appeal. Okay. It's a naked chick. Great. Um, now you need hardcore sex and now you need to go into some sort of fetish thing. Now you need, and I mean, any, you, you, you can search any of these sites and it's like, you can find stuff that is just craziness. It's like, it's, it truly is like, if you stepped back, it's, it's madness, but there are some people that now need this in order to get sexually aroused or, or feed their, feed their vice. Yeah. Wow. Is that the same with weight loss? Or, I mean, um, weight gain, sorry. When you're stuck in a place of gaining weight constantly, do you have like different foods or like different levels like that that have to keep you satisfied? I do think in any sort of addictive behavior, I mean, alcohol certainly um, proves this to be true, that it, you get you get tolerances for certain things and then you must take it to a next level. Um, you know, you take anyone who hasn't drank before and you give them, I mean, I can remember my first 21st birthday. Like, you know, there, mm-hmm. I was drunk off of a few drinks and, you know, fast forward now I'm 24 and I'm drinking, you know, a whole fifth of vodka a night and that's just to get me to sleep. And so, you know, we build tolerances for this stuff and, you know, in my food addictions, yeah, I, I at the, at the height of it, I was eating massive quantities of food that I would never have been able to eat three or four years earlier because you, you have enough is not enough. You know, you need to take it to the limits. And so I, I do think that in, in some mm-hmm. ways shines true. Yeah. What's the importance of, cause we have a lot of listeners who have questions about health and weight loss um, and having that feeling of, well, when I get back to the gym, I'll feel more confident around women. I just need to get back to the gym. And that's a big thing for a lot of guys. Like what's the importance of weight loss when it comes to confidence? Mm. Well, there's two, th- I want to comment on two, two, two different aspects of this. First of all, weight loss and confidence is like absolutely incredible. (laughs) Like, yes. So I I will affirm these guys in saying that the the number one thing that you could take charge of today, if you're lacking in confidence or if you're lacking in your own idea of your ability to interact with females or get out there and date or whatever it may be, start to work on yourself. And for me, it was losing weight. It was getting in the gym. It was lifting weights, getting stronger 
you know, hitting personal records in the gym where my strength was increasing. And, and pretty soon that does something to you. It does raise your confidence in every other area of your life. When I got in shape and, and, and everything that came with that, my, you know, self image, my self love, my confidence, my personal strength, my mental strength increased. It affected every area of my life, affected my marriage, affected my parenting. It affected my career, everything, literally everything. And so, yes, it, that's something you could start today. Every man right now today could put that into play and, and force themselves into action in the, um, in the area of that, you know, self care in that regard. So a hundred percent, I think it really, it, it, it does, uh, directly affect your confidence. There's another side of this too that I think it needs to be talked about. And it's the fact that there's a, there's a part of our confidence that just comes from the way that we view ourselves and our abilities. I know plenty of men that were in great shape, yet they had very low self-confidence or they, yeah. they, um, they had such a negative view of themselves that they still were that abusive, arrogant, you know, meathead asshole. And what we, what we need to do in this, I mean, this goes into a broader conversation, but I think there's a part of our confidence and a part of our personality that should shine through regardless of what our waist size is. A, a man that, that may have a, you know, little bit of a belly shouldn't have a hard time having a conversation with somebody in the opposite sex. They shouldn't be that intimidated. And I understand that happens. It happens a lot. And so we need to work on ourselves in that regard too. There's an area of ourselves and our confidence in just who we are as humans, who we are as a man, what we represent that, that should apply no matter what you look like. And so I think there's two different parts of self-development that need to go there. Yes, you need to get in the gym. You need to work on yourself. You need to work on your health and your fitness and your, your physical appearance. That certainly is going to work on your confidence. There's another avenue of working on your personality and just being comfortable with who you are as a human. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And that reminds me of like that body, body mind connection. That's so important. Like if your body is not in a confident place, then it's, you know, it's harder to get your mind there. And if your mind isn't, it's harder to get your body there. So we kind of have to balance yeah. that body mind aspect of how do I want to think confidently and how do I want to feel confidently and what are the actions I need to put into play in order to do that? Yes. Yeah. hundred percent. You talk a lot about intention and choosing who you want to be as a man and working on yourself and stuff. So what would you say are the first step to become a better man? I think with me, like if there's a guy who's, go ahead, say. No, no, I, I actually, I'd love to hear your example. So give me, give me that example and I'll, I'll run with that. I have a lot of guys who just come to me not knowing, you know, like I just want to be my best self. I just want to be a better version of me. I don't even want to attract a woman yet because I'm not the best I can be. So why would I go attract women now when I can improve myself? What do I do? And it's just very bland and it's very general. And it's kind of just like, I want to be better. What do I do? What would you tell someone like that? I'd tell them to start with, um, start with their own self-belief and their own confidence in their self. And, and this can be achieved through many different areas. And I would have, you know, I would have my clients do this, do all of them, <laughs> like, you know, do several of them at a time, mm -hmm. simple things like we just talked about of, uh, taking ownership over your, your physique and, and your own health. And so that may mean have, starting a, a fitness routine, eating healthier. Great. Now you've got, you know, now you're going down that path. There's another thing too, that as humans, you know, we have great morals and core values when it comes to other people. Like most of us are not just walking down the street, beating people up, but when it comes to our own personal mm -hmm. core values, we don't have any, we're our own worst enemy. 
I mean, we, we look in the mirror, beat ourselves up. We doubt we trash talk ourselves all the time. I mean, even these men that you, the, the man yeah. example, man, you just gave is like, oh, I, I don't, I couldn't possibly go and talk to her. Right. What is it? that? That shows such a yeah. lack of self love and self image. <laughs> well, and it's a story that we've created over and over and over out of our fear of rejection and that kind of stuff, or even real rejection that happened once upon a time that we've just held on to that story and that fear. Yeah. But one way, one really easy way that we can start to increase our self-confidence is by just doing what we said we are going to do. You know, I'll give you an example, Stephanie. Like mm. if, if I, if I told you, Hey, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, you and I are going to meet for coffee. And you said, okay, great. That's great. And then Monday came and I flaked. I'm like, and I called you an hour later. I'm like, Oh, Stephanie, I'm so sorry. Something came up. Let's meet Wednesday. You're like, Okay. And then Wednesday came mm -hmm. and I was like, damn it. I'm so sorry, but I, I've got a bail. And you're like, well, that sucks. Okay. And then I did it again Friday and I did it again, and I did it again week after week after week. Mm -hmm. You would, you would start. I'd be like, to not even, <laughs> right. Yeah. You wouldn't even care anymore. You would, you'd totally give up. You'd have so little confidence in me and my ability to even follow through with something I said I was going to do. And the same applies mm -hmm. when we say we're going to do something and we don't follow through. We unconsciously start to not even believe that we are capable of doing that. And so this can be directly applied to you making a commitment to getting up at 5 a.m. going to the gym. But when 5 a.m. rolls around, you turn the alarm off and go back to bed. When you say that you're going to go home and you're going to study for two hours instead of watching Netflix, but damn it, you fell into Netflix again. Those two things are the both are two things that happened to me today and last night. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, ah. <laughs> a happy coincidence. But uh, and I think and I use those because it, it, it hits home, right? We've all fallen into that from time to time. Yeah. But my point being is that when we do this over and over and over again, it's just the same as me not showing up to our coffee date. We start to not believe in ourselves. We start to say something and in the back of our head, we're not even consciously thinking it, but in the back of our head, we're going, eh, never going to happen. And it's, it's, it's done. Mm. Like the second that it comes that? out of our Why mouth. Why do we make commitments like that? Yeah, I, who knows? I, I think, you know, a lot of it goes around. Isn't it more damaging? And... Oh, it's, it's yeah. so damaging. Isn't it it's, more it's, damaging it's, though it's, to say it and then not do it? A hundred percent. It's incredibly damaging. And that's my point is that we have failed ourselves by not holding ourselves accountable to doing the things we're going to do. And so if as a man, you want to build your self-confidence, your self-value, and even just, you, you know, understand you're a man of your word, which we all should be, then start with yourself, right? Well, a lot of times we don't drop the ball nearly as much when we are talking about uh, holding ourselves to a, a commitment we've made to somebody else, right? If I told you I was going to show up on Monday, somebody better have died. There better be a legit emergency for me not to show up. I will show up for you. But it's not always the case when we're talking about ourselves. And so I would start to look as a man, start to look at holding yourself at a much higher standard when it comes to holding yourself to your own commitments. And what will happen is time after time after time after time after time, when we do follow through with what we said we were going to do, our confidence rises, our belief in ourself and in our own ability rises. And now when we are constantly then, and this is the second thing I would say is all, you know, try to be pushing yourself outside your comfort zones, just a little bit, just a little bit here and there, push yeah. yourself outside your comfort zones in, in your conversations, in the gym, become just slightly, not, not crazy, but slightly more vulnerable in your conversations with people you feel safe with 
you know, go heavier in the gym, do things that are just outside of your comfort zone. Little by little, what happens is we start to really increase our confidence and our ability of self. And what happens then is when we do see that, that beautiful woman at the bar or that, that coworker that, you know, we were just like, oh, I couldn't possibly go up and ask her out. All of a sudden now that doesn't seem like such a daunting task because we have self-confidence. We always follow through with what we say we're going to do. We've, we've pushed ourselves outside our comfort zone so many times and we've succeeded every single time that now when it comes to those quote unquote scary things, we can be the man to man up like our dad told us to do and do the scary thing. We can, we can do that, but we can do it confidently without having to push down all this emotion. Yeah. I love that. So then what happens if you do build yourself up in that sense and you, you are feeling so much more confident and then you approach her and you're rejected? How do you, how would you handle the rejection <laughs> at that point? Well, that's <laughs> certainly going to stimulate some of those old fears, right? The old stories that we come up with on yeah. rejection or we're not good enough. And that's where, and, th and again, this goes into a much, much larger uh, scope of self-development. But with my clients, I would tell them that we, we have to go through this being okay to go, man, that hurt. Like that hurt. I put myself out to that friend or I asked that girl out and she laughed and said, no, that hurt my pride big time. But this is where, again, yeah. through our own self-development, through our own being in tune with our emotions and, and how we feel, and then also being much more self-aware and conscious with who we are, we can kind of talk ourselves through this, right? We can go, well, listen, there's a million and a half polite and friendly ways that you can let somebody down than to laugh in their face and say, <laughs> no, right? And so when you, mm -hmm. when you start to analyze that, you go, well, she might be beautiful on the outside, but obviously she's kind of a bitch or, or she, you know, she like, mm -hmm. she had no compassion whatsoever. Like, do I even want to beat it together with a woman or a person like that, that has no compassion in that regard? Like, no, no, I don't. Yeah. So obviously she wasn't the one for me. I'm going to keep searching, but it's not me. It was her, you oh. know? I love that. Of that perspective. Yeah. And I always, I say often that only hurt people hurt people. So if there's a woman who's really trying to fuck with your heart in a sense, like sometimes women break up and then they'll say something like you were the worst lover of my life. And that's so damaging yeah. to a man. Right. And it's like, she's, she's hurting. If she, if she can throw like dish that out at you and be fine with it and laugh it off, like she's obviously just in pain and she's not the type of woman like you're, you're better off without her and you're better off finding someone who wouldn't talk to you like that or make you feel those things. Oh, totally. Totally. So. And, and all of this self-development that I just mentioned that a man needs to go through to increase his own confidence and self-belief and all that stuff. There's, there's a ton of work that women need to go through too. There's a lot of broken women out oh, there yeah. as well, you know? And so I, we're, we're, we haven't even dove into that, but men need to understand that when you do run into one of these broken women, they may look absolutely stunning on the outside and they may mm, stimulate us mm -hmm. in incredible ways. And we may fantasize that our life would be like on cloud nine if only we could get that woman. Yet it doesn't take too much interactions. And I've met many of them that are you <laughs> absolutely broken and they've been hurt yeah. so bad to a degree that you know what, honestly, in order for us to be together or in order for you and her to be together, she's got to do her own work too. And so sometimes yeah. it's, okay, it's okay to let that beautiful thing go and be okay with it because deep down inside at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, she's not right for you. 
Yeah, that's true. And that goes along with, with my story when I was, when I was in college and I was, I was the hot one. Right. And, and it was just, I was so incredibly broken, like so, so broken and just really did not love myself at all. Um, so it's just interesting to me to see like, oh, like you're, you're perfect. You're perfect. And I just remember like hearing things like that and just thinking, oh, like shut the fuck up. Like, no, I'm not, right. you know, even Would- today, like people say things like that. And I'm just like, you know, you don't know like how, how hard I have to work on myself to, to feel good about me. Like I'm still, it's still a daily process, you know? Right. And look at what happens when somebody says that to you. When somebody comes up and says you're perfect, yet deep down inside, you know, you're messed up and broken. All it does is build mm-hmm. your wall up even higher for you to go, well, shit, I cannot show the real me then. <laughs> I can't even yeah. possibly express yeah. the real me because if they think I'm so perfect and I love that, that sparks something inside of us. When we get positive compliments, affirmations, when we get that love and, and confirmation that we are, you know, admired and, 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 and accepted, that hits our literally mm-hmm. our deepest human desire. Yeah, that sparks that, that stokes that. And so, when we get that, man, that feels great. But then all what it does is it goes, well, shit, I can't show them the real me because then they wouldn't feel that way about me. They'd see my ugliness. They'd see my hurt. They'd see my brokenness. And so it, it builds that wall up of that, that emotional barrier that we don't want to show. And this happens with men too. It happens with men all the time. And it, it, it's, it's just so damaging. Wow. And I'm not saying don't compliment people, <laughs> right? But I think yeah, because right. <laughs> that's the opposite. Like it is great to compliment people. But we also need to have this platform in our life to be able to share what's really underneath the hood. Real. And, right. And, and this may be that close relationship of yours. This may be that best friend. This may be your lover, your, your significant other. And if you are in a real relationship, like a real, true, you know, uh, intimate relationship, work on your communication, work on your acceptance and your love so that no matter if it's her coming to you or you going to her, you can be open and honest and go, I had a rough day. Like I was scared shitless earlier today because of this, this, and this. And like, I'm just, I'm seriously, I'm scared. Like I'm, I'm scared about this or I'm hurt about this or, and as a man, we need this outlet to be able to express this to somebody and still know that we're loved, still know that we are a man and a leader and powerful. We, we have to have that in our life. Yeah. Do you think there's a time and a place for that to share with your partner as a like to share with a woman when you. Yeah. There has to be balance because if, if you, uh, if, if a man, we've all met the person that's just constantly spewing their emotions, right? They're they're It's Mm -hmm. like, they're so emotionally unstable that they can't take on anyone else's. (laughs) It's like, they're just constantly spewing their own emotions. You can't say anything to them. Like God forbid. (laughs) Right. Right. And that's, this just has to come with emotional maturity and, and your own self-awareness and your own self-belief and confidence. But it's like, yes, there's a time and a place, right? When, when my wife first gets home from work, I mean, my wife is a power woman in, in downtown LA corporate America. She's, you know, she's, she has a great career, very powerful woman. And so she comes home. That's the last time, like that's the, the furthest from the time that I would be like, Oh my God, babe, I had such a scary day. And I blah, blah, blah. like, no, it's, Let's get home. Let's get relaxed. Let's eat dinner. And now when we can actually give each other our energy, when we don't have the distraction of just getting home from work or, oh, I've got to get the house ready or I've got to get this tomorrow. Like there's a time and a place for this openness and this seriousness to happen. Just as, you know, if you were 
saying anything. You know, you were going to break it to your partner that you got a cancer diagnosis. You wouldn't just send it over text message. <laughs> you wouldn't, uh, you know, you wouldn't blurt mm -hmm. it. You'd find a, a serious time and place and go, hey, we need to talk, you know? And I think that that applies yeah. there too. It, 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 but that openness has to go too, right? If if the woman, and I know this from a man's standpoint, if the woman is just constantly throwing her emotions on a man, it's like, God, this woman is too much, you know, too much. Mm -hmm. And the same applies for a man. I mean, he has to be able to be able to express himself, but it can't just be to this place where now he's, you know, he's overbearing. Yeah. Cause I found that, I find that interesting when it comes to attraction too, because if a man is at his weak point and comes home from work and releases his emotions, I see that personally, I see that as different. I see that differently than if a woman were to express her emotions. And I guess, you know, based on society standards of like who can talk about emotions and who can't, you know, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, when I, like if a man comes home and I look at him as my leader and my protector and my, you know, my man, if he's always just release, releasing his emotions on me, I don't think I would desire him as much. No, and you won't. And that's what I meant. There's a time and a place for everything. And that, you know, that goes for both, both genders. But yeah, I, I see what you're saying. And I agree with what you're saying. As men. Because we, it's we like, wait, now you can't protect me? Like, if you can't protect yourself, how can you protect me? Right, right. And so I think there has to be this the 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 scene has to be set for um expressing ourself and 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 showing our vulnerability um but then there has to be so many grounded rooted examples in our relationship together of me being powerful of me being a pro protector yeah. and a provider and strong that then when the time comes for me to express my vulnerability to you you will accept me with open arms take me in hold me and know that when you release me I'm going to be the lion that you wanted in your life. I'm going to be the protector. I'm going to mm. be the guy that will, will, you know, jump in front of a knife or jump in front of somebody like, because that's who I am. That's the, that's the role I've taken on. And, and it, so it is a fine balance. Yeah. And I think that's where we are just now and, and practically not even getting into a, a time in society where some of this is even capable. I mean, 50 years ago, right? You would have been expected to stay home, iron my clothes. I would have come home maybe slapped you around and, you know, had my yeah. martini and, and we, we yeah. go to bed. And it's like, that was, that was society. That was totally acceptable. I mean, look at even like Lucille Ball and, and some of these old black and white TV shows yeah. where they're literally like backhanding their wives on, on TV and it's acceptable. Like it's crazy. It's crazy how, and, and so yeah. yes, we've come a long way, but I also think that we haven't, it's just not natural for us to find this balance, but it is there. There is a, there is a balance. Yeah. That can be found. I think we're coming too long of a way now where we're going the total opposite, you know, the extremes. And I think this is a good place to bring in the Gillette ad in terms of what you wanted to say, where there's that balance or we have to find that happy medium between the pussification of men and the extreme version of the old traditional man who, you know, would beat his wife and work and she had to stay home. Yeah. So what are your, can you talk on that a little bit? Cause I loved what you had to say about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I can. And I'll be honest, this could turn into a, a whole nother full length podcast. I'll try to keep it short, but you know, the, the, <laughs> right. Gillette, the Gillette commercial is great for several reasons. One, um, I, I mean, I agree, right. There's been a lot of, it brought up a lot of like, you know, hashtag me too. And the, the abuse of women or just how we have continued to treat women as a lower societal being. Um, and, and, the kind of 
sexual thing, you know, this sexual image that we put on women. I think that it brings up a lot of good points. Mm. And, and I do think there's a need for like, Hey, all this unneeded bullying that's going on. And now with the internet and text message and, you know, all this stuff, it's only making the bullying worse. Like I can't imagine what it would be now if I grew up in today's society. Cause uh, I got bullied. I got bullied in school at with Instagram. Oh yeah. Right. Same, it's crazy. Same. I mean, I, I, I can vividly remember because it was that traumatic for me. I got food thrown at my head in the lunchroom called fat ass on a, on the daily. This affected me. This really mm-hmm. did. It affected me in my childhood. It affected my confidence. It was a contributor to, to lead up to some of the, the highs and the lows of my life that I went through was the bullying I went through. I cannot imagine what it would be if I was then barraged outside of school as well through social media. So kids these days do have it a little differently than what, you know, what I did growing mm-hmm. up, but, but it, it is, I, I believe that what's, what we're seeing now is we are seeing, we're seeing extremes in both directions. So you have now, and, and I've heard it referred to the pussification of man. And I think it's a great kind of um, term for it where we have men now. I mean, you go, just go to any mall in America, walk down the street and you're going to see a quote unquote man that you can't really differentiate from a woman, like the way they dress, the way they act, the way we, and it's not even a, uh, a sexuality thing. It's just really like we have, we have a number of younger uh, adults that have gone in a complete different direction. And it raises mm-hmm. the question of, okay, well, who's the provider? Who's the protector? Who, you know, if, if, if the need arises, yeah. who's going to step up and be a leader? And uh, that's a, I mean, a, a legitimate question to ask, you know, it's, and I think it, it just, it, we've gone too far. Some of us have gone too far in that direction where you've lost all masculinity. You've completely handed over your balls and your abilities as a man. And now the gender roles have gotten so like, oh, you know, like you can't treat women differently. Yeah. And, 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 and so, and I think this goes in line where now we are seeing negative repercussions for a lot of decisions that were made in the last decade of movements that had good meaning behind them. But again, we took it too far. And so I do yeah. believe, and there is even genetically and chemical differences between a man and a woman that are there on purpose. They're there on purpose. And so I think mm-hmm. it, to, to not use those for how we were meant and made to be is it, it adds more friction in the long run. And it's, it like, it makes me a little curious and scared to see what it's going to be like in another 10 years or another 20 years, you know, like I completely agree, you know, like the Gillette commercial, uh, kind of was leading to, I completely agree that we do need a movement where men are held accountable because there are men out there that are pigs and I'll say it to your face. Like mm-hmm. if you're a man that's going to be going in and down talking to a woman or a cat calling a stranger or grabbing a waitress's ass as she walks by, like, I'm going to call you out on that. That's ridiculous. You know, if you are in any way, shape or form yeah. physically or emotionally putting your woman down or abusing her again, you need to be called out for it. That sort of behavior can no longer be tolerated. And so for that, I love it. I love that movement. But yeah. where do we go? <laughs> where, where, what what's wrong is that some people are going to take that movement and go, okay, well then men can't be men. Men can't. And I do think there's a, there is a, a difference between women and men that we do need to embrace. And like I said, I mean, even just chemically, genetically, we are different. We are drawn to different things. We are drawn to reproduce. We are drawn to do these things. So there's a, a natural line that we cannot cross just out of you know sheer respect for other humans. But 
we shouldn't be we shouldn't be so confused with our own gender or or abilities as a man that we aren't even showing any sort of masculinity. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. What would be showing masculinity? It's going to differ person to person. There's no like, you know, box that every man can fit in. And I certainly am not trying to allude to that. But I I think there's simple things that um, even just we can visually see in, in some of these younger men that are rising up. It's like there's certain characteristics of being a man that I think just come as being a man, looking somebody in the eye, a strong handshake, the ability to, to, you know, do things that could be dangerous, the ability to be a leader in an environment that calls for a leader, right? We don't need to go flexing our muscles on everybody. That's ridiculous. But when the time comes, we shouldn't be afraid to save a life or step up for injustice or, you know, do something that, that calls for a leader in action. And I think we're losing some of that because of that kind of, well, I got to take it to the extreme side where now it's like, oh, you know, I'm wearing rainbow socks and a man bun and I'm like, I'm, yeah. And I don't mean to piss anybody off there, but yeah. I'm just saying like, we all know we, the, 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 the <laughs> like the caricature image that I'm giving is like, are you a man or are you a woman? Like, are you, you know, what, what are you doing here? Yeah. Cause we're different. And that makes me think too, that because of this, because of this movement and the Me Too movement, movement, there's a lot of um, women who can't embrace their femininity as easily also, because it's like, well, now I have to be like a strong woman and I have to show my masculine and I have to be tough. Like, I don't want to be a weak woman. Like, I don't, there is, I think there's a fine line there too, you know, that a lot of women now are a little more confused. I know for me personally, I haven't felt in my femininity as much and and I struggle with that. And I have like a hard time, like trying to fully express myself as a woman. And I'm wondering if it's because of all this confusion around, you know, I'm working with so many men who are confused on how to be, you know, a real man and the best man. And I think it's, it's now, you know, it gets in all of our heads when we're, when there's no, there's no real, like, okay, what is a man and what is a woman? You know, it's right. very, very touchy subject, but. It's... No, you, and, and you're a hundred percent right. And, and I was, strictly talking about men right there, but the same thing applies. You're hundred percent true in, in females and women. I see it too. And with, you know, movements of like women equality and, and all this stuff, which some of that's great. Like I do feel women should be paid the same as a man. I, you know, like yeah, women are yeah, stronger totally. in, in, in other ways than men are. And so, you know, there I'm are. I'm not saying the movements are bad. Like that's not what I'm, <laughs> I'm saying. I'm no, against. Like... No, hundred percent. And I, I'm, I'm all for a lot of it, but I think again, when people take these things to the extreme, what you have is you have then a woman who is expected to be so strong and, and, and fall into a man's role where she is now not expressing her vulnerabilities. She has a hard time relying on somebody else, right? That's a big thing. I mean, women, like we are made for certain things. And so I I really do feel like if a truly, if, if most women embraced what just comes naturally, if they didn't care about societal standards, if they were able to remove all the things that was thrown onto them by their parents and their upbringing, and they just went with what felt right to them, you'd have a lot more men doing cool stuff <laughs> and, and, you know, like getting dirty and having fun and, and flexing muscles. You'd have a lot more of that in a healthy way. And you'd have a lot more women that are open mm-hmm. to being that are vulnerable, but yet beautiful and, and, and expressing their own sexuality and all of these things that have kind of been shut down on both sides of the equation because of you can't yeah. do this or you have to do that or 
you can't hurt feelings or you can't, you know, like, it's just like, it's just now it's a mess. <laughs> it's just, it's a mess yeah. on both sides. <laughs> it's such a mess. Everyone's confused. Yeah. No, I never but, talked about my confusion until now. And now I'm like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think, you know, I? It, and it's, it's easy to have a conversation like this and feel like, oh my God, we're doomed. Like we're doomed. What do you do with this? And that's, that's not what I'm trying to, to, to say. It's just, you yeah, know, we're in a, yeah. we're in a weird time in, in human history. But I, I think to get back to our original question, you know, let's get back to the basics. If you are questioning your own abilities as a man, if you want, you, the, right, your deep desires is to be able to go and talk to that girl, to be able to go and introduce yourself and, and confidently hold your chest high and not have your head down and your shoulders roll forward, but, but to be able to hold your head high because you are confident in who you are as a human, as a man, then you got to start with yourself. It's not going to come from just trying to ask that, you know, a girl out time and time again, and eventually you'll get good at it. This isn't a job interview. This is yeah. you being comfortable with who you are as a man. And I'll tell you what, once you do that, then the first time you ask a girl out, you're going to nail it. And whether she says yes or no, it doesn't matter. It's you're going to nail it because you're confident in your abilities and who you are. And so I would start yeah. to work on yourself, you know, rewind this podcast and go back to when we were talking about holding yourself accountable to the things you say you're going to do. Go back to taking care of yourself from a health standpoint. Start to get stronger. Start to eat healthier. Start to drink less. Start to sh have implement things in your life that uh, are, are ways for you to express your emotions, your anger, your frustration in a non-self-destructive way that's not hurting anyone else either. You know, Start to do this self-development work, and you're going to see your confidence go through the roof. And, and pretty soon, you know, you're not going to have a problem having a conversation with anyone. You're not going to have a, a problem having a strong handshake and look at somebody in the eye. None of this stuff is going to be a problem because now you're comfortable with who you are. I love that. That was so great. <laughs> and before the last question, Jeremy, where can, where can the guys find you for more information on you and your, your conquer your mountain program? Sure. Yeah. I mean, pretty much anywhere on social media, I'm big on Instagram, Facebook uh, at Jeremy Reed fitness. And that's R E I D Jeremy Reed fitness. Um, you can go to Jeremy Reed I'm, very, very, very close um, to releasing a, a groundbreaking new uh, massive weight loss transformation, kind of a life transformation program that I've been working on literally for three years. It's it, This is my baby. It's it's so close to being yeah. released. I'm excited. <laughs> but, but I have my own podcast as well, the Conquer Your Mountain podcast. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, at Jeremy Reed Fitness. And I'd love to, if, if any of you listening have any questions you want to interact, feel free to DM me. Thanks for that. Okay, last question. If you can leave all the guys with one one main bullet point from today's topic, the one thing they have to remember, the most important thing, what would it be? I would say the 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 biggest thing that you could take from this or that my one my one thing that I would give is to find productive ways to handle your emotions and your feelings. Don't push them down any longer. Find ways, whether it be through physical activity like I did. I, I really found that weightlifting, the gym, was an incredible outlet for my emotions. I have angry workouts, and that gets out my anger. I'm a better father. I'm a better husband uh, because I work out. And, and find ways that work for you, whether that's journaling, writing, poetry, uh, workouts, kickboxing. I don't care what it is. Find ways to express your feelings, express your emotions. Don't just keep shoving them down. Don't just keep feeling like you got to man up and, and, and not show emotion like you were taught. 
find ways to get that out because you're going to find that once you do, you're, you are a completely different person who can now behave and live on a completely different level and start to grow yourself in that regard.